Amen. Isn't God good? His presence makes a difference. Thank you. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I'm really anointed tonight because I had a chicken taco before, okay, with rice and beans, and uh, I'm just feeling good. Amen. And it isn't even Taco Tuesday. Man, it's, it's Worship Wednesday. And when you add a taco to Worship Wednesday, it's just a whole nother level. Amen. It's a whole nother level. Well, we have been focusing on the theme of put your life together based on the book of Ruth. And tonight we're going to continue to look at this theme of putting your life together. And I love this book of Ruth because it's the story of redemption. It's the story of experiencing recovery as well as restoration uh, and um, experiencing freedom through our Redeemer, the Lord. And as I was studying for this particular uh, lesson or message tonight, the words of Job kept coming up. In Job 19, he made a statement in verse 25, I know that my Redeemer lives. And then he goes on to say that he knows that when his flesh is discarded, he's going to appear before him. But he says, in the middle of everything he was going through, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that's what sustained him is, I have someone who can restore. He's alive. And uh, so he's alive. That means I have hope. And when I was meditating on that, I thought of the, what the word says of Jesus Christ, the mystery that's meant to be undisclosed. In Colossians 1.27, it says this is a mystery, Christ in you. And then it calls him the hope of glory. And Peter says it's a living hope or another translation would be a bubbling hope. You know, like something inside that just starts bubbling up. You know what I mean? You've ever had that, that, that bubbly feeling, that giddy feeling, that, that joyful feeling? Well, that's what he's saying, that our hope, it's a bubbly hope. It's a, it's a giddy hope. Based on what? He's alive. <laughs> he's alive. Our, our Redeemer's alive. And because he's alive, there's always hope. Amen? Yeah. And so I, I just thank God. For his goodness. Now, tonight, as we look at this theme of putting your life together, we're going to look at Ruth chapter 2, and we're going to see how we can go from bitterness to blessing. From bitterness to blessing. Now, uh, I did get to hear and watch last week's uh, uh, service and message, and I want to thank Abe uh, for delivering the word last week on Ruth chapter 2, verses 6 through. Uh, 8 through 16, and I love how he, you know, Abe makes sure that you know that he was a mechanic, and he was, uh, and he knows cars. But I love the two elements that he used in the beginning of his teaching. He talked about the source, and then he talked about the connection. The source and the connection. And of course, he, he brought out that God is our source 
Just like in Ruth's life and Naomi's life, they discovered Boaz as their source. But then he said, in order to experience the blessings uh, of, of our source or from our source, there has to be a connection. And he said, our, the connection for us is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And he used the imagery of the, the battery underneath the hood of your car that uh, sometimes all you got to do is check the connection, check the cable, because sometimes that's all it is. The cable is loose. There's no real connection. And he talked about how the Word is the, the means of connecting with our source. And if we're in the Word, then we're going to have that connection or the, the connections that will release the blessings of God in our lives. And he talked about the blessings of guidance, of protection, provision, encouragement, fellowship, acceptance, and satisfaction. And so we're going to continue looking at Ruth chapter 2, and we're going to uh, look at the other part of this passage, beginning at verse 17. But let me share with you something that I came across a couple years ago as I was reading a book by Joel Osteen entitled, Your Best Life Now. In his book, Your Best Life Now, Pastor Joel Osteen shares the following illustration. Years ago, there was a terrible outbreak of disease in a tiny village in a remote part of Africa. Both children and adults were getting sick and overcome with nausea. Several weeks passed and the sickness became widespread and people started dying. Word of the disease reached the main city in that area, and experts were dispatched to try to figure out what was causing the problem. They soon discovered that the water was contaminated. The village got its water supply from a mountain stream that was fed from a spring, so the experts decided to trek upstream and hopefully find the source of the pollution. They traveled for days and finally came to the mouth of the stream. But on the surface, they found nothing wrong. Puzzled, they decided to send some divers down to search as closely to the spring's opening as possible. What the divers discovered shocked the experts. A large mother pig and her baby piglets were wedged right at the opening of the spring. Evidently, they had fallen in, drowned, and somehow got stuck there. Now, all that crystal clear, pure mountain spring water was being contaminated as it flowed past the decomposing remains of those dead pigs. In no time after the, di- di- the divers were able to extract the dead pigs, the water began to flow clean and pure once again. What's the lesson that we can learn from that illustration? Don't let the root of bitterness take hold in your life. Deal with it. Don't let the root of bitterness take hold in your life. Deal with it. Too often... Instead of letting it go and giving it to God, we've held onto our hurts. We haven't forgiven. 
And just as those pigs soured that crystal clear water, our own lives have become contaminated. This is what happened with Naomi. Her life became contaminated because she couldn't let go. She couldn't let go. Now let's go to the book of Ruth chapter 2 beginning with verse 17 and we'll read down to verse 23. It says, so she gleaned, that is Ruth, in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an epa of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he. Of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. When you look at this passage, you'll discover that there are three things that lead to going from bitterness to blessing. The first is a new word on Naomi's lips. A new word on Naomi's lips. If you notice in verses 19 and 20, there's a word that is mentioned. Blessed. Blessed. This was a new word on Naomi's lips. Prior to uttering this word, she had just been talking about The pain that she had experienced. Returning back to her homeland. She didn't talk about being blessed. She talked about being bitter. And notice. Notice this in Ruth 1, 20 and 21. But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and watched, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. Notice the contrast. Now she's blessing. Whereas before, she was spewing out bitterness. There, What, what happened? Ruth was able to bring to her attention that God had not forgotten them. And be grateful for the people that God brings into your life. 
to remind you that no matter the pain you've endured, no matter the suffering you've gone through, no matter the trouble you've had to deal with, God has not forsaken you. We need those kind of people in our lives. And what began to bring the shift from bitterness to blessing, what began to lead Naomi and Ruth from being in a place of bitterness to moving towards blessing was the word, a new word on Naomi's lips. And let me just remind us, church, we need to be like the psalmist David, not just asking for blessings, but also blessing the Lord with our lips from the depth of our soul. The psalmist David said in Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Let me remind you that you and I have a choice we can make tonight. We can, we can count our blessings or we can discount them. We can focus on what we've lost or we can look at what we still got left because God has not forsaken us and there's still some stuff that we have within our reach and within ourselves that guarantee that no matter what has happened, we're going to get through it and we are blessed regardless of what we've lost in our past. Would you say blessed? Yeah, there used to be a song, blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Some of you know the song. Blessed. Where are you blessed at in the city? Where are you blessed at in the field? Where are you blessed out when I'm at home? Where are you blessed at when I go outside? Where are you blessed at at Walmart? Some of you lost your blessing when I said that. (laughs) So what led them from going from bitterness to blessing? The first was a new word on Naomi's lips. Secondly, a new hope in Naomi's heart. Naomi and Ruth had three reasons to be encouraged and hopeful. The first reason we see in this passage is the realization, their realization of who Boaz was their kinsman. Thirteen times in the book of Ruth, you find references to the kinsman, to the close relative. We've already shared that the Hebrew word for close relative, it speaks of a kinsman redeemer. Someone who possesses the power to redeem. Someone related To you, who has both the ability and the goods to redeem. And 13 times, this concept of kinsman redeemer is referred to in the book of Ruth. Now, look with me at the two laws related to the kinsman. The first passage is Leviticus 25, 25. It says, if one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession... And if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Sometimes out of a state of poverty, someone would sell their property. 
and even themselves. But there was a law that said, if there's a close relative who has the ability and the goods to redeem what that relative lost or sold or gave up, that close relative can redeem it, can buy it back, and in the process restore it to the one who lost it. Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10. Another law associated with this. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother. That his name may not be blotted out of Israel. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house, and his name shall be called in Israel. Watch, the house of him who had his sandal removed. Not even as it. You, you knew, you knew who didn't do their duty of redeeming. They were missing a sandal, said he. <laughs> ah, I, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead. So this law was in existence and Naomi and Ruth were aware of the fact Boaz is in position to redeem what we've lost as well as to restore the name of the family. All right, all right. The second reason Naomi had a new hope is because of what Boaz did. What did he do? He took a personal interest in Ruth. Look at Ruth 2.19. Ruth 2.19. And, and her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? And watch this. Blessed be the one who took notice of you. Hmm. Boaz was a man who had a lot of stuff. But he didn't have a woman. And one day Ruth shows up on his field. And he noticed. Why y'all getting all quiet on me now? Like, where's he going with this? It's like the day when my wife came up to the altar. And I was out preaching at her dad's church. And she came up and I was like, whoa, who's this? Uh, and then she said, would you pray for my sister? At that time, her sister was incarcerated. And so I tell people all the time, I, I, I laid hands on her. 
And on the outside, I was praying for her sister. But on the inside, I was saying, Lord, your word says, he that finds a wife finds a... And I've studied that word in Proverbs, Lord. The word find means to take hold of. I'm, I'm taking hold right now, Lord. Woo! Y'all didn't hear my wife under her breath. She was like, watch it now. <laughs> I'm glad I ate before service today. <laughs> now watch. Blessed be the one who took notice of you. His eye was on her. She caught his attention. And once she caught his attention, he kept his attention. On her. In other words, not only did he see her, but he looked out for her. One of the names of God found in the Old Testament is El Roi. El Roi. And notice how it is defined in Genesis 16:13. Then she, that is Hagar, called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. In Hebrew, it's El Roi. In our English Bible, it's translated, You are the God who sees. She had just been expelled from Abram and Sarah's house. She is feeling rejected and forsaken. And yet, In the middle of the wilderness, God shows up and she names him El Roi. You are the one who sees me. I need to tell you that even when you are forsaken, even when you feel rejected, even when you feel like nobody is looking out for you, there's a God in heaven who sees you. God's got his eye on you. He's looking out for you. Uh, A burglar was scoping the neighborhood, watching for homes left unguarded by people leaving for vacation. He watched as a family loaded their suitcases into the car and departed. He waited until dark, and then he approached the front door and rang the bell. There was no answer. The burglar neatly picked the lock and he let himself in. He called out in the darkness, Is anybody home? He was stunned when he heard a voice in reply, I see you and Jesus sees you. Terrified, the burglar called out, Who's there? Again, the voice came back, I see you. And Jesus sees you. The burglar switched on his flashlight and aimed it in the direction of the voice. He was instantly relieved when he saw a caged parrot reciting the refrain, I see you and Jesus sees you. The burglar laughed out loud and switched on the lights. Then he saw it beneath that parrot's cage was a huge Doberman pincher. Then the parrot said, Attack, Jesus, attack. 
<laughs> Woo! Can I tell you? Jesus is looking out for you. And if the devil begins to come as a thief against your life and decides he's going to mess with you, you don't need to fear. Jesus got your back. He's looking out for you and he's going to defend you and he's going to take care of you. Now, the third reason Naomi had hope was because of what Boaz said. Ruth had shared with her what Boaz had spoken to her. Look there at Ruth 2.21. Ruth chapter 2.21. Ruth the Moabite said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. You know what he was saying? My provision for you, it's not temporary. It's going to last Oh, in essence, Boaz was saying to Ruth, at the end of the harvest, something special is going to happen. Stay in the field until the harvest is over. Stay in the field until the harvest is over. My men will protect you. In other words, Boaz had special plans in mind once he completed or once the harvest was completed. In other words, these were the words of promise. He was giving her a promise of more to come. And I want you to understand today that Naomi and Ruth, they had hope because of who Boaz was. Who was he? He was a family redeemer who was wealthy and influential. Should we not, us who believe, should we not, us who believe in Jesus Christ, have hope tonight when you consider who He is, what He has done for us, and what He has said in His Word. We have no reason to feel helpless. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He has died for us. And now He intercedes for us in heaven and in His Word. He has given us, according to Second Peter 1-4, great and precious promises that can never fail. No matter how you feel tonight, no matter how difficult your circumstances may be, you can rejoice in hope if you will focus your faith on Jesus Christ. And then the third thing that moved them from bitterness to blessing was a new motive in Ruth's service. A new motive in Ruth's service. Look at verses 22 and 23 of Ruth chapter 2. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. I have a question. Who said it is good? Naomi did. This is the very one who said, don't call me delightful when she came back to her homeland. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. I went out from here full. I've returned empty. 
She came back bitter. Ah. But when she returned, God used Ruth to show her, no matter what you've lost, you still have something left. You have a redeemer. You have a close relative that can restore what you lost and that can restore your family name. Can I say to us tonight, no matter what we've lost, we've got reason to rejoice. We've got reason to praise. We've got reason to sing. We've got reason to worship. We've got reason to hope. We've got reason to believe. We've got reason to declare like Job that I may have lost everything that was under my name, but I know that my redeemer lives and the one who gave it to me the first time can restore double for my trouble say it is good yeah it's the very word that you find in Genesis when God's creating he he ends at the end of each day say and it is good and he saw that it was good and he saw that it was good and then one one day he said and he saw that it was very good let me say to you i don't know what you've lost but i want to declare and prophesy over you if you're a child of god there's something good about to happen for you and to you don't let the devil keep you bound in despair in discouragement and depression your redeemer lives there's something good about to happen now i love this quote from j.i packer j.i packer said the christian's model the christian's model should not be let go and let god but trust god and get going that's what she did when she came home and told Naomi, I ran into Boaz, and then Naomi says, well, he's a close relative, and he's got the ability to, to restore what we've lost. Ruth didn't stay home the next day to say, well, I guess it's as good as done. I'll just wait here for the promise to be fulfilled. No, she got up again the next day, went out to the field, and kept on working. Some of you are like, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Can I tell you what the answer is? You need to quit waiting and start working. Well, I got faith. It's not enough to have faith. You also need to have fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Even when you know God's going to come through to you, for you, you need to show up in the battlefield and say, devil, I know my God's going to answer. But I know that in between the answer coming and, and, and me experiencing its reality, that you are going to do everything you can to keep it away from me. But I'm showing up here in the battlefield to let you know if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you're going to get. And I'm not going to quit till I get what God said he was going to give me. Uh, Ruth did not sit and wait for Boaz to perform his duties as kinsman, redeemer. Instead, she stood and went to work. For some people that are saying, 
I need God. Here's God's word to you. Work. Work. I need a word from God. Work. Work. Now, I told you it was a new motive in Ruth's service. How did she get this new motive? Watch. The right motive in service is the fruit of several things. The right vision. Look at Ruth 2.9. Uh-huh. It's, it's, look at Ruth 2.9. Uh, let your eyes be on the field. Did you see that? Let your eyes be on the field. This is Boaz saying to her, let your eyes be on the field. What was he saying? Keep your focus on the harvest that you see. Keep your focus on the harvest that you see. Oh, your motive in serving God will change when you've got your eyes locked in that on the fact that there is a harvest coming. Uh, when you come to take to heart the words of Paul that said, I'm, uh, and you tell yourself, I'm not going to grow weary in well-doing. Be, I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to give up because I know I'm going to reap if I don't give up. There's a harvest with my name on it. And what did Jesus say in John 4:35? Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, watch this, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Why? For they are already white for harvest. You want to have the right motive in serving God? Keep your eyes on the field. See the harvest that's yours and that's coming. Amen? Now, Jesus used this phrase, there are still four months. It was a common phrase. It, it was a statement, according to the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, the statement concerning four months was probably a proverb signifying that there is no need to rush in performing a task. But Jesus was saying, get busy. Get busy. What changed? What gave her that new motive? Not only the right vision, but the right connection. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Ruth 2.21. It says, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all what? Uh, all what? Ooh, Boaz called it my harvest in other words, he was the Lord of the harvest. Ruth was now more than just a laborer in the field. She was loved by the Lord of the harvest. He spoke to her and invited her to his table to eat. He cared for her and had plans for her. In other words, Ruth's labor was not the dismal labor of a slave. It was the 
flamboyant, joyful labor of someone who had great expectations because she came to discover who she was connecting with. Let me remind you, you too are connected, child of God, to the Lord of the harvest. And he's got you. He said you're going to have a harvest. It's as good as done. And that's why you just stay connected to him. A new motive in her service. Why? Because of the right occupation. Look what the Bible says in verse 17 of Ruth chapter 2. It says, she gleaned in the field until evening. She gleaned in the field until evening. She didn't waste time. She stayed occupied. Till the evening. Look what the Bible tells us in Luke 19, 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. This is why, as a church, we are not satisfied with who's just here. There are more people that need to be one for Jesus Christ. And we're not going to be those rapture Christians that just are trying to hold on till Jesus comes. No, we are going to be those working Christians that are going to go into darkness, shine the light, and keep reaching out, and keep doing the works of Jesus, and keep being of service. In John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. In the Greek, it's plural. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. What Jesus is pointing out to us, we must do all we can while there is still time. So, As we wrap this up, my Redeemer lives. Hmm. Say Redeemer. What is redemption? It's the recovery of that which is lost. And the liberation of that which is bound. You see, when someone sold themselves as an Israelite, as a slave because they were too poor, and it was the only way they could be provided for, their, their kinsman redeemer could come in the year of Jubilee or, or before that. And they could come and they could buy back their relative who had sold themselves to be a slave. Whew. Imagine that. You've been bound to menial service. You've been bound to slave status. Because there's no other way you can exist. Ah, but then Jesus came and said, I didn't create you to be a slave. I created you to become my child and know freedom. And some of us who have been freed by him know that after he brought us to himself in freedom, Because of the decisions, the choices we made in our days of slavery, we lost stuff. But our Redeemer says, I will restore the years 
that have been eaten away. Not only am I going to set you free, but I'm going to give you back what you've lost and then some. Woo! My Redeemer lives. And my Redeemer gives. I love what Dr. Warren Wearsby says. He said, God used Ruth to turn Naomi's bitterness into gratitude. Her unbelief into faith and her despair into hope. He concludes by pointing out one person trusting the Lord and obeying His will can change a situation from defeat into victory. When I discovered what redemption is all about, it changed me. When I realized that the Lord didn't just want to deliver me from darkness and transfer me into the kingdom of His light so that I could come from a state of slavery to sonship, but with His redeeming power, I can also pave the way For my seed to be blessed. And for whatever the devil through his trickery and his schemes does to steal from them. That ultimately his purpose, his plots, his ploys will come to nothing. And that ultimately God's promises, not only for me, but for my seed, for my children, and my children's children will come to pass. You want to know why I'm so passionate? You want to know why I pray the way I pray? You want to know why I praise the way I praise? You want to know why I serve God the way I serve God? Because I know there's people behind me that if I stay true to Him, they will know that the Redeemer lives as well. And whatever the devil thought he was going to be able to do with my lineage, it's going to be reversed through my Redeemer. (laughs) And so my brother's here. I know, I know because I've heard him testify. That verse I quoted out, Joel 2. It's been a verse that he's clung to. I will restore the years that have been eaten away. I've heard him testify of that. He's seen it, experienced in his life. He lost some years. He lost some years. But God's restoring what the devil thought. And some. And so I, I'm in a, I'm in a church service. It's, it's my dad's funeral service, right? And I'm not even right with God inside. I'm, I'm battling. I'm, I wanna, I don't. I, I don't know if I'm gonna go with God because they're, I'm bitter. I'm hurt with God. And one of the preachers says, Pastor Menchaca, went with the Lord with joy and peace because he knows his son 
will continue his legacy and in the ministry. And I'm there sitting. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Why didn't I get the memo? But now that I've walked with the Lord, I knew. I know. My dad knew. God gave me a promise. And it's as good as done. Though I die, my Redeemer lives on. And He's going to fulfill what He promised my household. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Jesus, our Redeemer who lives, who came to restore, to recover what was lost. And who also has come to free us from bondage through paying the price necessary to get us off the slave block where we were being auctioned to the highest bidder. Thank you, Jesus, that you showed up at the slave market. And you serve notice. He's mine. Get him off that auction block. Here, here's the price for his redemption. Here's the purchase price that's required for him. And you took me in. And you said... No longer do I call you servant. I call you friend. I call you son. You're mine. And not only are you mine, I'm yours. My eyes on you, son. I'm looking out for you. And you know that stuff? That you thought you had lost for good. I'm going to restore it. And when I restore, I go beyond bringing something back to its original condition. I even improve it beyond what it was. Abba, I thank you that you're alive. (laughs) You're the Redeemer. Thank you for exposing the devil's lie. The lie that says, this is all you can expect. Mm Mm-mm. Thank you for showing us in your word that you're the God who is able to do above, exceedingly beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine according to your power. I thank you tonight, God, that in this place you are restoring What has been lost, 
You're restoring finances. You're restoring peace of mind. You're restoring joy. You're restoring God love to hearts that have been embittered. I thank you that right here, right now, you are restoring in the name of Jesus. I declare that here and now, the Redeemer who lives sets free. Sets free. Bondage is broken. In the name of Jesus. Let me say to you that I felt I'm bound to this. I'm stuck to this. No, you're not. The blood of Jesus speaks freedom over you. Speaks mercy over you. Speaks right now His kindness over you. You are not stuck to your past. You are not bound to that bondage. No, you are not. For the blood of Jesus Christ sets you free. Right now, receive. Just receive. Lord, I believe you are the Redeemer. I believe you are the Restorer. And I receive. If you receive tonight, I want you to stand on your feet. If you know that that word was for you, stand right now. And then you're standing, you say, I believe that Jesus, the Redeemer, is alive. I believe that He came to bring freedom. And freedom is mine through Him. I believe... My Redeemer lives and my Redeemer gives. I believe. Abba, thank you. That right here, right now, by your Holy Spirit. You're speaking over sons and daughters like Boaz spoke over Ruth. And you're saying... You're protected. You're provided for. I've got my eye on you. I'm looking out for you. You're not going to be harmed anymore. You can look ahead with expectation that I'm not just restoring what you lost. I'm giving you what you've dreamed for. I'm going to give it to you. I know the longings of your heart. And I also know the lies that the devil has tried to whisper into your mind. Trying to diminish your dream. But the Father is saying to you tonight those lies 
have been exposed tonight for what they are. Untruths that hold no weight. The Father is saying to you tonight, dream on. (laughs) Because I'm carrying you. I'm carrying you to the fulfillment of those dreams, those longings in your heart. Yes. Abba, thank you. Thank you, Abba. He's here right now, church. El Roe. The God who sees, He's looking at you right now. His face is shining on you. And He's looking at you with eyes. favor yeah receive right now the Holy Spirit is coming right now and just I just see him wrapping wrapping himself around you he's wrapping himself around you he's letting you know son daughter you're covered you're covered Your Redeemer has you covered. He's got you covered. You're safe. Because your Redeemer has His eye on you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. going to keep you stuck in bitterness. The river's flowing and washing it out, washing it away. dare to believe that not only are you healing our soul 
But through that same anointing, you heal all sickness and disease. We believe, we receive in the name of Jesus. Healing oil flow. Healing oil flow. Free. Free from the spirit of infirmity. Healing oil. Bring about healing of all manner of sickness and disease. You're unlimited tonight, Lord. And we take the limits off. We choose to believe that what you said you can do. We choose to believe you are who you say you are. You're the Redeemer. You're restoring. Yeah. Some of you tonight, you need to declare it. You need to prophesy it. God is restoring my loved one. God is restoring my household. God is restoring my relative. God is restoring. Devil, your days are numbered. You have no part in the inheritance that God has promised me and my household. I boldly declare tonight as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My Redeemer lives. My house will be saved.